This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. That, that suffered in this regard, he did not shy away from them. He did not call them carnal. He didn't say, go seek eternity. No, he addressed it. He addressed it. When there was a shortage of wine at your wedding in Cana, he said, bring me six water pots and fill them with water. He filled them and he says, draw from them and give it to the chairman of the feast. And the chairman of the feast said, this was the best wine he had tasted. The wine he saved earlier. So Jesus demonstrates you know, the will of God and the heart of God concerning our needs, that he wants our needs met. And many of us are in various stages of our lives, students, grandmothers, spouses, husbands, individually and collectively, God wants us to know that he has, he, he is interested in us. In the book of Genesis, when God, or the Exodus, when God delivers Israel out of the hands of Pharaoh, you know, that was supposed to be a spiritual victory, right? The through the Bible says that by the prophets, God led them out of Egypt. And by prophets, he brought them into the land of promise. When they left Egypt, the Bible says they crossed the Red Sea. And the army of Egypt and the army of Pharaoh followed after them. And as they crossed the Red Sea, the army of Egypt also entered into the sea, but were drowned. So that was like a victory, right? They had their freedom. They were no longer oppressed. And you think that that is what God is particular about. But the Bible records that God gave great favor. There was great favor upon the, the women of Israel, that the women of Egypt gave them their gold and their silver and their trinkets, meaning God was particular about the wealth of the new nation to come. He was very particular about it. He did not obsess over their freedom from fear and be like, you know, you are free. He did not obsess over their spiritual freedom and say, you know, you're free. I have brought you into a new place. I fulfilled the promise of my, of my servant Abraham and Jacob. You know, bring the bones of Joseph. This is the land I have brought. You know, he, was, he also knew that they needed money to trade. They needed gold and silver to trade. They needed money to buy weapons to build a new nation. And he made sure that they left with a treasury of gold and silver. So God from the beginning has not been deaf or passive regarding our finances. Today, many people have, they, they, they have this passive um, approach. You know, they, 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 they think prosperity is a passive thing, that God wants us to, you know, win souls and do well. But, you know, concerning our needs, is just is half-half. He wants us to be okay, just there. But no, God has always been active in meeting the needs of his people. Very, very, very active. In fact, not just active, proactive. He brought them out and he made sure they were blessed. He made sure they had food to eat, they had water to drink. The Bible said they had a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Sorry, a pillar of fire by night to, to warm them and a pillar of cloud by day. So the glory of God was with them, but still meeting their needs in glorious ways. So God has shown that he's particular, even more particular than we are. In terms of our needs, the Bible says that we shall both all things that you prosper, even as your soul prosper. The prosperity of the soul is salvation. The, the prosperous soul is the one who has come to Christ. The prosperous, the prosperous soul is the soul that, that has increased in the knowledge of God. But God still says that I also want you to prosper in your health, even as your soul prospereth. When Jesus came and he multiplied bread and fish, he did so in abundance. 
He did so in abundance. So God is particular about our needs. So that's one thing you must know, that it is not a vain thing to come to God. In fact, it is not a vain thing to come to God for anything. It is not a vain thing to approach the Lord for anything. Praise God. When something was tied by the Philistines, he was hand was tied onto pillars and they mocked him. And something prayed and said, Lord, let your spirit come upon me once again. And he pushed against the pillars. And the pillars killed all the Philistines and their, and their elite people. And the Bible says that he killed more people that did than did in his lifetime. That was the most vainest prayer ever. Revenge. He wanted revenge. And God answered it. Do you understand? The mere fact that the man presents himself before the, before the father is the most holiest of acts. Praise God. There's a story in the Bible of King Joram of Israel and King, um, I think, um, Jehoshaphat of, of Judah. You know, and the King Joram of Israel was a rebel against divine order. He didn't like God. He led his people into idolatry. And, but he wanted to go to war. And he sought help from his neighbor, the King of Judah. The King of Judah then said, there's a man of God in Israel. His name is Elisha. Let's go and see him and see if we can go for this victory. When he got to Elisha, Elisha knew that the one who came to him, the king of Israel, and this guy didn't really like God. But when Elisha inquired of God, God gave them victory. Why would God do that? Because in God's sight, the method that you come to him is an expression of faith. And that faith alone pleases him. So when the sinner comes, at the instant the sinner comes to him, for anything, it's a display of faith and it's pleased by it. So when it comes to God with a request for our needs, you know, to pay your child's fees, to buy a new pair of shoes, to, to pay your bills, to, to, to you need money for something, you need money for an air ticket, for an airfare, you know, to buy new, the smallest things to the greatest things is a demonstration of faith and God is pleased with that. Praise God. God is pleased with that. So it is no Prayer will never be a vain thing. No, we, we, we can get into deeper truths and explain what is what is right to pray about and you know the right kind of prayer. But God is pleased with prayer. God is pleased when someone asks. He's pleased with it. In fact, he's greatly pleased with it. When you come to him and say, Lord, I need this. So God answers. The prayers for our needs. God answers the prayers for our financial and monetary needs. God does that. He wants to. And wherever you are these days, if you have any um, challenges in your finances, you can always go to God. And he would answer. From the smallest of things, in fact, learn it. Make a habit of trusting God for the smallest of things. Hallelujah. Paul writes to the church and he says, Charge them that are rich amongst you, that they be not high-minded. But trust in the living God who has given all things richly to enjoy. He says, charge them. The word charge means to greatly want that are rich amongst you. That they be no high-minded and trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth all things richly to enjoy. So God wants, God wants, God, God even wants us, despite whatever level of finances you are. The world they say there is upper class, upper middle class, there's working class. There's those living below one dollar a day, whatever, whatever, whatever God wants, wants to come to Christ. He wants to be the source of your needs. He greatly rejoices and reveals the fact that his children come to him. 
he's pleased with it. Praise God. You know, and one thing I, I, I thought to say is one, one thing you must know is that, you know, the Lord is our, the Lord is our shepherd. He's our father. And they are not orphans of God. I've said it many times before, but that's a very profound statement. That they are not orphans of God. They are not orphans in God's kingdom. There's nobody who is without care. There's nobody whom a budget has not been prepared for at any point of their lives. God has planned something for me when I'm 30, when I'm 40, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when I'm 70, when I'm 80, when I'm 90. The Bible says he daily loads us with benefits. The Lord is our shepherd every day of our lives. He would always be our father at every point in our lives. It seems today that the people who, you know, who are more aggressive in praying for, for heaven's help are people in their 30s to their 40s and 50s because when you are young, you depend on, you say you think it depends on your parents. And maybe when you are 70, 80, you depend on your pensions, on the government, on help from families. And like, but you know, God, God, God wants, God has a, a, a budget for everyone. Praise God. Praise God. I used to make this joke that, God is not patriarchal, you know. He's not. He's not the one that says, "Ah, the, the imam must the, the imam must provide for his husband for his family's needs." The, the woman will not have money. <laughs> I said, "God blesses everyone." And the example I gave was when the Israelites in the wilderness prayed for food, and God sent manna from heaven. The Bible says everyone came out with their vessels and their bowls, and He says it was filled with manna. In fact, some tried to save it thinking that it won't come again. As they saved it, God spoke because God wanted to trust, God wanted them to trust him every day. And every one of them were blessed. Man, woman, boy, girl. Everyone had a vessel of prosperity. Do you understand that? In the story I gave, the wealth of Israel came through their women. It didn't come through the men. The gold, the first installment of capital, of national treasury and sovereign wealth that Israel had, when they became a free nation, came through their women. Do you understand? So you see, God, God does not look at your age or your gender or whatever. God has a prosperity plan for every of his children. They are the orphans of God. When Jesus was speaking with his, with his disciples, he said that I am going to the Father and I will not leave you comfortless. The Greek word is, I will not leave you orphanous. Right? Now let me explain what he means. See, the disciples, they were spoiled. They had the son of God as their best friend. He was their best friend. He was their teacher. Not the teacher you go to school to meet. The teacher that lives with you. <laughs> Imagine your master teacher living with you. <laughs> you know, the teacher that lives with you and goes with you. In fact, one time, Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And he said, that, Master, my mother-in-law is sick. They had to travel back. <laughs> so they were spoiled. He was with them. He was their advocate. When the Pharisees came and chastised them and said, your disciples are eating on the Sabbath. They are plucking the ear of the corn. Jesus stood and defended them and said, they can't fast. He said, when the bridegroom is here, so they can't fast. He said, soon, we will take it away, then they can fast. He said, didn't you read of David? You know, who took up the sheepbread of the temple? So he was, he defended them. They were spoiled brats. <laughs> they were spoiled. Nobody could get sick. Imagine, you had Jesus living in your house every day. Ah, you won't, you won't buy fuel in your car. It's just abundance, 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 abundance. In Second Kings, Elisha was a, was a senior prophet. And one of, one of the wives of the sons of the prophet said, 
my my husband is dead and um, the creditors have come to take his debts but realize that she since he's dead they want to take my sons and Elisha now said get a vessel of oil do you know why she would do that because she lived, he lived with them so he was like an enigma when their food was poisoned he, so these disciples were spoiled they knew the power of God daily daily on a daily basis on a daily basis if it was too cold Jesus could cause summer to manifest in winter time. So when he said, I'm going to the Father, ah, they felt demoralized. Why are you going to? You're not going anywhere. Jesus then used the word. He said, He says, It is expedient that I go to the Father. And the word expedient is a business word, actually. It means profitable. And it's, it's a word used to show an increase in something, meaning, it will be of no profit if I don't go to the Father. And that's why Jesus said, until a seed is planted in the ground, until he dies, it abides alone. But when, but when he dies, it bears much fruit. You know, talking about the sales and revenue increase of the farmer who plants his seed. So Jesus is saying, it is not profitable that, it, that when I go to the Father, it will be profitable. So what does he mean? He means that when he goes to the Father, he'll be able to multiply himself. Through the Holy Spirit. And that when he walks with that Holy Spirit, when that Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Ghost shall be in them and with them. So everyone will have it as though, as it were, a personal Lord and Savior. Do you understand? A Jesus with them. And that's what the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost is actually the Spirit of Christ with every one of us. Hallelujah. I know that's too big for us, for, for some of us to imagine. You know, thinking about the pains we have been through and thinking, where was this Jesus? Well, let me tell you again, the Holy Spirit is Jesus with me, Jesus with you, Jesus with somebody else. He cannot move. He's not without borders. He's no longer limited. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus was at the cross. He says, my father, my father, why are forsaking me? He calls God father. He says, he refers to God, my father, Abba, 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 which is a Hebrew word for Abba, which, which is a Hebrew word for father. He says, Abba. My father. And that's why the Bible says that God has given us the spirit of adoption into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Who is that spirit? Jesus himself. He calls the Lord Father. He's quick to God, Lord Father. So you see, the Lord who has been brought you know, into a household of God, God is our Father. And that's the first, you know, first understanding we must receive that we are not fatherless. And therefore, we cannot be poor. And therefore, we cannot be stranded. You have a father. Not your father at home. Your heavenly father. Amen. He is more father than your father at home. Praise God. I have a father at home, according to the flesh. He's a lovely man, and I'm proud of him. But I have a heavenly father. He is my true father. Praise God. And he's the one responsible for my safety, for my safety, for my sanity, for my health in this world. Till I leave, till I leave this place. So he's my father today. When I'm 40, I will never outgrow my childishness before him. Or I will never outgrow my childhood, my childhood before him. So he's my father. And he and he, he meets my needs, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, My God shall supply all your needs according to you know to the, his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. So first thing is the Lord is your father. You are not an orphan, and therefore your needs are by default potentially met by him because you are not stranded. And that's the first, the first, you know, two points we must 
you must um, you must know. So I want us to take the next five minutes and just you know with this revelation stored at the back of your heart, pray. The first thing I said was, it is not a vain thing to come to God for your needs. It will never be. For the mere fact that the instance of just coming to God for anything is a demonstration of faith which pleases the heart of God. Do you understand? And the second one is this. We've been brought into the household of God and we dare to call God Father. Do you understand? He is our Abba. Right? And so we are sheltered. We are sheltered. We are sheltered and we can ask the Father for anything. So I know maybe some of us may not be broken up. Maybe because they paid your salary or someone. But ask God for something. Maybe there's something you need financially. You know, take this time to, 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 to you know, to pray about it. Right? To pray about it. Um, take the next one or two minutes to begin to pray about something you want God to do concerning your finances. Something you want accomplished, whether this week or this month or thereabouts. There's a need you know you don't have the money for. You don't have it for. They're going to stand for him and look as though is your only help. I'm going to ask you what I'm making for those things. Praise God. Let's go to the Lord. supply all my needs according to your riches and growth. Through Christ Jesus. Oh my God, I've in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I also say some few things that have continued that maybe will close much earlier. And it shows a pattern which we wish to pray. Now, this popular verse we know when the Bible says, um, I think you know it, and I've said it, I said, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let me say it in English, in today's English. So he says, I pray that my God will meet your needs. Now he would have stopped there. And that, that will be, that's powerful enough. Pray that God will meet the needs of somebody. But Paul then said that this he'll do these things according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There's a reason he said that. No, Paul was in prison. And it was persecuted when he wrote this verse. And he was praying for somebody. So at that time, the church was also persecuted. So they were nomads. They didn't have systems. They didn't have, there was no commerce. Nobody had a business like that. Even if anybody had a business, it was the kind of businesses you do, like, like what Fulanis do, you know, they, they, they don't, they, they sell their cows as they go from Lagos to uh, the trek. That's how they sell their goods. So they, if they, they did business by service, so that maybe the disciples would walk from Patmos to, to Syria and would stop in Samaria and someone might maybe might try to give baskets to sell. They didn't, nobody had a, like a steady career. So there was no means of exchange. So when Paul says, My God meets your needs, I'm sure that prayer mother have astounded. The recipient, like, okay, how is it going to meet my needs? If I told a, a jobless person and said, oh, God is going to bless you with one million dollars, they're going to ask me how. Because even today, when we say, oh, may God bless you, immediately our brain begins to look at the various channels which we have listed in our hearts, how God will bless us. Maybe they'll be through my contract. Maybe someone's going to come. Maybe I'll have new customers. Maybe they'll promote me at work. Maybe they'll increase my salary. You really revealed the prayer through you know, true systems. 
that are put in place. It's like saying, oh, God will bless you. God, God will heal you in Jesus' name. And you're thinking, okay, probably when I get the right doctor or the right equipment or to the right hospital, you, are, you have filtered the prayer. But you see, when Paul prayed this, he didn't want to feel that because there was nothing. There were no deserts. So he says, my God, but this, this supply is going to be according, he says, to the riches of his glory. Now, it's a wrong word. It's not, it's, it's, it's over-translated. What he actually meant, that the, word, the, 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 the riches there means like qualities or flair or display, display of power. And his glory then is his spirit. That God would meet the needs of this person according to the ability of God's, of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul got this statement from Exodus. The Bible says that the presence of God was with them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So and the Holy Ghost over, over along the temple. You know, the, the, they call that presence of God his Holy Spirit. And all that, all that they accomplished, their victories, their, their miracles, all God through that Holy Spirit. And when they were in the wilderness, they didn't have roads. Nobody was paying taxes. How are they going to eat? How are they going to get water? So that's why many times when um, Moses would say, oh, God, meet your needs, they, they couldn't understand. They were obstinate people, but if when that situation might have, might have been like that, imagine being in the desert with your child walking for 40 years, and, and the leader says, don't worry, God give us water. And you're looking at the front of you, it's just dust. Dust. All of you are just checking like animals. And this man is saying the water. How? It will be according to the, the flare, the display of the power of the Holy Spirit. Meaning, the provision will come from nothingness, from things beyond the systems you are put in place. So, whether or not you are in a town or in a city or by the wells, the Bible says, My God will supply your need, and He will do so according to the power. He will save your systems. It will be done according to the power of the Spirit. In fact, in 2 Kings, when the king of Israel was going to war, Elisha said, he says, the valley of Edom shall be filled and he shall see no wind or see no rain. Because Elisha knew if he was making a proclamation, his hearers would think he was calling for supernatural rain, that don't worry, rain will fall. He said, this valley shall be filled and it will occur without without rain or without the wind. You see a thunderstorm, no river, but you see this valley shall be filled. How? According to the power of the Spirit. It will share your systems. It will be without the systems you are put in place. Without irrigation, without rain, this valley shall be filled with water. So when Paul prayed that prayer, he says, I pray for you, that my God would supply your needs and he will do so according to the riches of his glory, which comes by Christ Jesus, according to the power of the Holy Spirit, which is given to you because of Jesus Christ. That's what he prayed. That's why when people try to say, when people try to say, um, there's no prosperity in the New Testament. It's actually, that's, that's, that's almost heresy. It's almost heresy because it's clear. 
So he said, this your needs will be met by a miraculous working power. I was telling my wife one thing, I said, we were praying together in our room and I would pray for our, our needs. And I said, I said, you know, when we are praying now, that Lord meet our needs, please don't start imagining the systems you are putting in place. Oh, the business, I'm going to sell this Ankara, I'm going to sell this, oh, you bring money, oh, you pay me at work, and so on. No, it's according to the power of the spirit. It is the spirit's prerogative to pick how it's going to bring the need. So sometimes as we are praying now, many of us will have your, your, your head as I said, make it making device plans that okay, and I'll get this. So my uncle will send this for me. Oh, I have this business, don't worry, I have the customers. Okay, this person send this. No, God says, My God shall says, my God shall supply you. It's according to the riches of, of his glory by Christ Jesus. It will be according to the power of the Spirit. Going for the second Kings chapter, um, I think it was in chapter, I think six or something. There was famine. There was famine in Egypt and in, in Israel. The famine was so bad that the most useless of items became so expensive. Imagine there be so much recession that somebody sent a matchbox for hundred thousand naira. Go for it. That's how bad it was. It was so bad. And it got so worse that people began to eat themselves. They began to eat themselves because, like, I'll kill your child. You know, a farming that turns human beings to animals. <laughs> when today people complain of uh, economic recession, and like, it's, no, I think Lalo, Lalo said, I think he preached when he said, one time when he said, um, the quality of life that we live today now is almost 100 times better than many years ago, according to studies, actually. There was so much famine, they became animals, they became cannibals. Then the prophet came and said, a value of which shall cost this, meaning, and people are like, no, that can happen. So what is around? Well, how is it going to happen? According to the power of the Spirit. That's what the Bible says, it is not by might, no, by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. What does power mean? And what does might mean? Might means it's not by strategy, not by systems, no devices, but by my spirit says the Lord. So all that God does, he does according to his spirit, not according to the systems you are put. So when we pray and we turn it and we tender a request to God, let's let, 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 let's stop helping him in our head. Pray after we are in the wilderness that all that I'm asking for will be done by the power of the Holy Ghost with all that assistance put in place. Discard your useless joy and your business. Throw it away from your head and come to the Father in humility without superficial of nothingness, without your own opinions and without sounding high. His divine provision will come from him and him alone. Hallelujah. Let me read from Romans chapter. I want to give you more proof that the, the, the word which is of the glory means the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, Colossians 1. Um, listen to this. Ephesians 3.16. He says, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with mind by his spirit in the inner man. He will grant you according to the power of his spirit to be strengthened with mind. 
he would strengthen us by the power of his spirit. Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the power of the spirit of the mission among the Gentiles. The promise was always the spirit. So when he says, my God shall supply all your needs, it's according to the power of the spirit. And Paul... Hallelujah. So let's pray again and make requests, trusting God blindly that all that will be done will be done by the power of the spirit which is at work in us. Let's begin to pray.